The following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. For advertising information or to find more great podcasts, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com and follow us on Twitter at RealTheUnderdog. Okay. Well, just for the record, we got the sun in Phoenix, too. 52 to... Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sunny in Phoenix podcast, a weekly podcast where we keep you up to date on everything Phoenix Suns basketball. My name is Charlie Erling, and as always, I'm joined by Mitch Krumpetich. Get some lols in the chat. Get some lols in the chat, please. And this week on the show, we're going to be talking about the new head coach of the Brooklyn Nets, Steve Nash. And after that, we'll be continuing our bubble review, talking about the big men on the team, And then after that, we'll quickly discuss a few guys in our range in the lottery who happen to be big, who we might like. Follow us on Twitter at SunnyandPHXPod. Same thing for Instagram. Go on iTunes, leave us a five-star review and a comment, and you will get a shout-out on the show. All right, we'll start it off with the surprising news of Steve Nash becoming head coach of the Brooklyn Nets. Did you see this coming, Mitch? No. No, nobody saw this coming. (laughs) Absolutely nobody had Steve Nash on the Brooklyn Nets radar. And, you know, if you look at the signs, maybe you can find a few connections. You see that Steve Nash played with the Nets general manager, Sean Marks, in Phoenix for a couple seasons. Uh, We look back at Nash's time as a player development coach in Golden State. Uh, Him and Kevin Durant became pretty good friends there. That wasn't too well known, but that, I guess that was a pretty big relationship that was built. Um, so if you if you look at those couple of things, maybe you see the signs, but still, this was surprising to everybody. Yeah, and it's it's a fresh fresh face as a coach. You know, Steve Nash has never been a head coach. He's done a little of that player development on the side, but as far as I knew, that was never like a full-time role or anything like that. I know Nash was looking at, you know, taking time away from basketball for a little bit, that kind of thing. And now I guess he's ready to jump in, you know, head first. And I was talking to a friend of the show, a real man's man at Josh Cran on Twitter, Josh Cranwetter. Uh, I was talking to him, and he was asking me if I was surprised. And I said, yeah. But he just said it's it's nice to hear a name that's different than the usual suspects with this kind of thing. So, Yeah, I'm always down for when a team hires a new head coach. The, the list of candidates right now of guys who have previously coached, none are really too exciting. I know a lot of people were pointing towards Ty Lue as taking yeah. this spot, but... Mm-hmm. I mean, why not try out a a point guard who has a great feel for the game of basketball, obviously. Sometimes this works, sometimes it doesn't. But if you just... We're Suns fans, we watched Nash play. He was a magician out there. Yeah. The the way, the feel that he had on the court, I, I believe that that will transition to the coaching game. I think so, too. He knew the game really well. He's one of those guys that, like, you know that he knows what's happening at every position. He always knows what's going on. 
from every spot on the floor. It'll be interesting to see because that Brooklyn team's going to look a lot different next year. They were fairly successful this year, given all of the injuries and that kind of thing. But having Kevin Durant back, uh, you know, healthy, he didn't even play a single game, which was expected. And then Kyrie dealt with a lot of injury issues as well. And even without those two amazing players, which, I mean, Kyrie, I know people are kind of divided on him and maybe he's taken a step back. But still, I mean, he's he's still very good. You know, so it'll be it'll be interesting to see what that team looks like with Nash at the helm. Right. And then you have Dinwiddie, you have Levert, you have Jarrett Allen, you have Joe some Harris. pretty nice talent. Joe Harris, I believe he's a free agent this year, but I, okay. I remember seeing that was a priority for the Nets was to try to yeah. bring him back and mm-hmm. I, I don't blame him. He's a great knockdown shooter and he'll be a nice yeah. piece to that puzzle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they've got a decent team without Durant and Kyrie right so it's yeah it's gonna be interesting I'm definitely like rooting for Nash to succeed oh absolutely and the way that those guys played in the bubble we were all rooting for them in that last game obviously but oh yeah you got to be impressed with the way that team played and uh something that might carry over the Jacques Vaughn is still going to be an assistant there. He's one of the highest paid assistants in the league now, but Mm -hmm. there's going to be some consistency there, which is never a bad thing. Right. Well, and it's one of those things that I don't know if this will change with KD and Kyrie coming back. I found it was pretty easy to root for the Nets. Like they're a likable team. I like Levert. I like Spencer Dinwiddie. You know, they play pretty hard. They don't complain as much as a lot of other teams. You know, they, but I, I liked rooting for them against the Blazers. It was pretty fun. Oh, yeah. 100%. Yeah. So, so it'll be interesting. I also know that Steve Nash tried to hire Dirk as an assistant. Did you see this? I did not, but that yeah. would be awesome. He tried to, and Dirk was like, no, I'm not ready to come back. But no, he tried. Mark Cuban would kill me. You know this. <laughs> yeah, really. Yeah. That would be quite the the reunion, though. That'd be a lot of fun to see. Maybe uh, yeah. maybe next year. Maybe Steve has a good year and says, "Hey, Dirk, I still want you, buddy. Come on back." Maybe right. that'd be that'd be so fun. It would. Yeah. All right. So it's easy to say that we'll be rooting for Steve in Brooklyn. You know, they're they're across the country in a different conference, so we'll all be a bit of Nets fans this season, I can assume. Mm-hmm. But yeah. let's let's think about this real quick. When I saw this news, my first line of thought, it, it went to, I remember when we were searching for a head coach and there were rumors that we had reached out to Steve, but he wasn't ready yet. He was, he was really big into soccer at the time. <laughs> yeah. He's a soccer fan, but I mean, he was, it was known that he was pursuing some sort of soccer career at the time, mm-hmm. but does this upset you at all, or does the fact we have Monty Williams just wash everything away? I think it's more the latter. Um, obviously, it would be upsetting if Steve Nash were offered the position and he said, no, I don't want this. But I, I really do believe that he wasn't ready. You know, He took a lot of time to be with his family and that kind of thing. And his role in Golden State was so limited that I don't think it's upsetting. And I'm also just so happy with Monty, you know, I don't know that 
a first time completely new coach. Well, I shouldn't say I don't know. We do know these first time completely new head coaches have had trouble with getting the culture set. And we really needed someone like Monty who can give that tough love and, and be, you know, push these guys to be better. We needed that. And I mean, could Steve Nash have done that? Maybe, but I think Monty Williams was just so suited for, for this position here. Couldn't agree more. That's absolutely exactly how I feel too. Yeah. All right, let's move it on and talk about our big men in the bubble. We talked about the point guards. We talked about wings. Now we're going to review the big men. And we'll start things off with the center, DeAndre Ayton. Pull up his stats here in the bubble. In eight games played, he scored 15 points per game, averaged nine and a half rebounds, almost two assists, and almost a block. So when you look at these stats, they don't, quite look like DeAndre Ayton's stats. And you got to remember, yeah, he missed a bit of that game due to the missed COVID test. But here's the question I'll pose. Does this worry you? Or is this what happens when Devin Booker puts the team on his shoulders? Does Do we need Ayton to perform at the 19 and 11 like he got during the regular season? I actually think it's a little of both. Um, you know, Booker was on fire. We had other guys like Cam Johnson and Mikhail Bridges step up, like we talked about last week. So that works out. It's nice to know that we have a team that we don't have to have Aiton scoring 20 a game in order to win, you know, because he's going to have off nights. Everyone will. Um, so it, it's nice to know that we don't have to rely on him that much. Um, it worries me a little bit because he could have played better. You know, he reverted back to a lot of his old ways. He had been getting a little bit better at, you know, accepting the physicality, trying to get to the line, that kind of thing, like maybe February, March before the shutdown. And then when things came back, he just looked like he forgot all of that. You know, he was taking a lot of those elbow jumpers. He started taking threes, which I don't mind. I actually really am in favor of. I want him to be doing that to open things up a little more. Um, but yeah, he just didn't get to the line very much. He wasn't as physical as I would have liked to see. So there's a little bit of concern. But at the same time, like he played well enough. We won all the games. So he did what he had to to win. Right. And going with that, under a block per game, but his post-defense, his rim protection was noticeable. He it did a pretty, pretty solid job, yeah. for yeah. sure. So, I, yeah, we have to be clear on that. Yes. But here's another thing. Like you said, Aiton brings the three into his game when we get into the bubble. Uh, he shoots 1.3 per game, so he wasn't firing them by any means, but if it was open, he'd take it. He made 30%, and... I'll leave that there. Yeah. Let's go to sample size, tiny sample size, but I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. But free throws. I'm going to complain about this again. He averages a 10th more per game free throws attempted than three pointers. I do not like that. I still want to see Aiden get more involved under the rim. He grabs three offensive rebounds per game. That should be an automatic two points or a trip to the foul line every time you grab an yeah. offensive rebound. Yes, yes. That's how I feel. 
So I I really want to see if we're going to start shooting threes. I want to see him get to the line a little more. And what I would suggest for that is something that we saw during the regular season. At one point, Monty Williams told DeAndre Ayton, no more mid-range turnaround jumpers. I want 80% of your shots to come in the post, come from the post, and then and then once those get going, you can revert to those jumpers. And we saw this like maybe a month period where he was very aggressive down low. And he he seemed to earn his turnaround jumpers, which I'm not mad at that shot. It shouldn't be option number one, though. Right. It needs so, to be when he can't get to the rim, you know? Right. So my challenge to eight next year is I want to see two free throws for every three that you shoot. That'd be nice. I mean, I want to see him average six free throws a game. I don't think that's too much to ask for. No, I don't think so. Get to the line so. three times. That shouldn't be that hard. And Especially with if the he's opportunities. getting those offensive rebounds. Yeah. And the opportunities as a, you know, a great, a solid offensive rebounder uh, and the pick and roll. That's a big part of our offense is doing that. And if we can feed him on a line to the rim, that needs to be a bucket or two free throws. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. He just needs to be more aggressive. 100%. So all in all, I'm a little disappointed in Aiton, but I I do lean towards this is how the Suns look when Devin Booker completely takes over. Like this was the playoffs for the Suns. You yeah. kind of expect your you your leader and your main scorer to do the majority of it and you know that's what we saw. Yep. Yeah, and I mean a little disappointed, yes, but again, we won all of those games. So you can only complain about so much. Right. And here's another it'll be tough to complain about this guy in the bubble, Dario Saric. Oh yeah. So I, I've said this before. Heading into the bubble, I assumed that there would be no way that Dario Saric would be back on this team next year. We've discussed this a few times, but he lost minutes during the season. He got some did not play coaches decisions. And we were just wondering what's going to happen with Dario. And then we hit the bubble. Dario looks like he's in great shape and he takes on the advanced role since there's no Ubre. He goes for 15 points a game and seven and a half boards. He did a little bit of everything for us in every single game and Definitely one of the bigger difference makers after Devin Booker. I think Dario might have been one of the more important guys in the bubble for us. He was. And it's so interesting to me how similar his numbers are to Aiton's. They average about the same when it comes to points per game. Aiton got a couple more rebounds, which is expected as the you know starting center. Um, but yeah, it's like... <laughs> Not to bring it back to Aiton again, but Aiton's numbers should be a lot higher than Dario's. Dario played well, and Aiton just could have done better. But whatever. Uh, Dario was great. He, I know we've talked about this before, but during the quarantine period, he worked with the strength and conditioning coaches. He got faster. He lost some weight. He got a little stronger, and it paid off. He also just looked really inspired. You know, He looked like he wanted to be there. He had his head up. He had a good attitude. In the past, we had seen like he really wanted to start, and when he had to come off the bench, he wasn't as enthused about it. But 
you know, he accepted his role and I really hope we bring him back. I think he fits well in that role, especially since he's accepted it. Yep. I think so too. I want Dario back on this team because just as a glue guy off the bench, or, you know, if uh, Kelly's having an off night, He's a guy that we can throw in with that starting lineup who still gels with them very well because he's a playmaker. He he looks for other guys and he gives something Dario does great is he allows his teammates to pick up assists because he's always putting himself in a great position. He's always sealing a guy off under the bucket for that great yeah. position. So I just appreciate the intelligence of his game for sure. Yeah, definitely. I, I like that too. And that was something we were looking forward to when he signed with Phoenix originally, you know, a lot of people kind of questioned that decision. Um, it wasn't, it wasn't like a flashy decision or anything like that, but Monty knew, you know, Monty had coached him in the past and he knew that's what he was getting. And he knew that it would fit his system. You know, Monty Williams has that 0.5 system. You know, you have half a second to shoot, pass or dribble or pump fake. And Dario can do that. Yep. And just one last note on Dario before we move on. He was so efficient down there. 57% from the floor, 52% from three, wow. 88% from the line. That that's that is solid. If I yeah. hope we see some uh eight game stretches like this out of Dario during next year's regular season. For sure. And it's possible. Oh, we know he's kind of a streaky guy. And if we can get an eight-game stretch like this, it makes up for when he's not playing super well. Totally agree. Mm-hmm. All right, we'll move it on. We we were just pretty high on Dario. We're going to turn the page. Let's talk about Frank Kaminsky a little bit. Uh, Frank played in seven games down in the bubble, and he was out for quite a while before the season ended in March. So... Yeah. A lot of rust to knock off for Frank and obviously coming back from the knee injury. I wasn't expecting a ton out of Kaminsky down in the bubble, but man, he could only earn eight, nine minutes per game. So that I think that itself says a lot. Yeah, I like how you said that. I wasn't expecting much from Frank either, and he gave us even less than we were expecting. <laughs> You know, it's tough because he seems like such a nice guy. He seems like a good guy to have in the locker room. He just, you know, couldn't get anything going on the court. No, he really couldn't. He shot almost 40% from the floor, but then just 16% from downtown. Really, just really couldn't get much going. And then with that, the minutes didn't come because I think we were a little surprised with Dario yeah. at how when it came down to it, he was playing center with that bench unit. Whenever Aiton was off the court, he was playing center a lot of the time and right. he's not a rim protector, but he was just doing everything else so well. There were no minutes for Kaminsky. Right. Yeah. I don't think we really expected that at all. I don't think Frank expected that, but I will say he had a good attitude about it and I appreciate that. Oh, yeah. And just either way, whatever you look, however you look at it, it was nice to see him back healthy and active out on the court, getting up and down. And this is a guy that we have the rights to next year if we want. Mm -hmm. We have a team option on him. Uh, The contract's $5 million. And 
that it just all depends on what what way we're going this off season. Do we have any big free agents on our mind who we need to clear up that five mil for? Right. Yeah. If we try to sign like a Christian Wood, we're we're gonna have to clear as much as we can. Right. That probably means bad news for Frank, and then probably either one of Dario or Baines. Yeah. So, yeah. We'll have to see what what options we're picking up and what exactly happens. But talk about a bit of a security blanket for Frank. If we're to go away from Frank, not bring him back, we still have Sheck Diallo on our roster on a team option that we can pick up for $1.8 million. Yeah, I really like Sheck Diallo. He did so much more than we expected. He had to play a lot more than I think even he expected. And he played pretty well. You know, he's he's one of those guys that's smaller than you think because he plays so big. He plays like he's seven feet tall, but he's what, 6'8 or 6'9? I think he's just 6'8, yeah. 6'8, yeah. I'm very happy with what Diallo did. And he barely, barely played in the bubble. We didn't really need him to, you know. But he stepped up when Aiton was out during the, the season before the bubble and everything. So... Uh, you know, I would love to be able to keep Diallo around. You know, I, I'm leaning towards keeping him around too, just as, uh, you know, a guy that you can have at the end of your bench who's got some size that you can throw in there who's going to compete. But it's just so hard to knock this guy down. He's He has such nice touch around the rim. He has a bit of a mid-range jumper, and he can even shoot the three a tiny bit. Mm-hmm. He seems very athletic. He's got some power because he can, as a 6'8 center more or less, he can match up with some 7-footers and hold his own. But then again, he'll get so lost on defense every once in a while, you'll, it'll make you question what he's doing out there. So how he can look so efficient and confident on offense sometimes and then lost on defense so much, I don't know. He probably still needs a couple of years before he turns into... He's not in his prime yet by any means. It's going to be a bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, he's also the third string center, you know? We don't need him to be perfect on defense. There's going to be a lot of games where he doesn't play, you know? But in these worst-case scenario type situations, which we experienced multiple times this past year, he was able to come in and get the job done well enough. Sure. And if you just look at it like this, would you rather have Frank Kaminsky or save $3 million and have Sheck Diallo? I don't know which way I land on that. It's it's pretty even money for me. I would rather have Diallo and save that money. Yeah. Fair enough. But we'll see. We've got some options, and we all know that free agency is going to look a lot different this year. The draft's going to look different. If we get a combine, it's going to look different. So, you know, maybe we play it safe this year and just try to keep our team as intact as we can. Right, and Aaron Baines is a big part of that. Uh, we yeah. Not much to talk about since he was not active during the bubble, but Baines is definitely a guy I'd like to explore coming back here. Um, he had some great moments during last season, while especially while Aiton was out, but... I'd like to see him in the role that we had planned for him. Yes, I would really like to see that too. 
he he's getting older. He's still in good shape and everything like that, but we don't want him to be playing the majority of the minutes or starting very often. So it'd be nice to actually see him in, like you said, that role that we planned. But, you know, like I said, worst worst case scenario situations were happening left and right to us. And we still fared pretty well, but we could have done even better without that stuff, you know? Totally. And it'll be interesting seeing Baines's free agency this year. Did he earn himself some more money by having a, a few absolutely crazy games like he did last year with the bigger role? The one with um, all the threes? What did he get? Back? Nine threes? <laughs> <laughs> too that many. That was a wild game. That was, was a wild game. And yeah. I'll never forget that step back three. The step back yeah. lunge out of the 6'10 guy. <laughs> That just so funny. The buttery soft release. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I remember that game because he hit most of those threes on the end that we sat on. And every one of those threes was just perfect. Magical. <laughs> All right. But yeah, when it comes to the bigs, this is where the Suns offseason, this is where everything falls to is what we do with Sarich, what we do with Baines, and then Diallo's there too free agency everyone thinks hey maybe we need a power forward and then maybe maybe it happens in the draft let's move on and talk about a few guys in the lotto who might fit the sun system and i'll start things off being as optimistic as possible depending on how you view this guy but i've seen obi toppin dropping down a few mock drafts i saw one where he dropped all the way down to 12 so if something like that were to happen and the Suns were up to pick with number 10, a guy who gets compared to Amari Stoudemire a little bit, I think I'd like to maybe snatch him up if he's available at 10. Yeah, I'd be fine with that. And it's like we've said in the past, we're going to be in the position to just take the best player available. And if Toppin is available at 10, he's probably going to be the best. You know? Right, and Things- you can... You can fault him for his defensive weaknesses, but if you watch that guy play, there's there's so much explosiveness there, and there's a good feel for the game. Yeah. I think people were worried about Aiton's defense when we drafted him, and even after his rookie year. Look at that step that he took in year in the second season. Right, right. All that Why? time spent on Hakeem Olajuwon's ranch. There you go. <laughs> So, like, why why couldn't Obi Toppin do that? That's, sure. That's something that I'd be interested in. And as a Suns fan, it's it's tough when you have guys who can score who don't play a lick of defense. We've, we've seen some of that in the past. Not pointing a finger at Devin Booker or anything. <laughs> um, but that that's not something that I'm interested in as a fan. Or I assume that James Jones and Monty Williams would be interested in as a coach and a GM. Yeah, I agree with that. Toppin would be nice if he falls to us. Or if we really, really love him, maybe we trade up. I I doubt that. I think if we trade at all, we would trade down. But if he's available, great. Right. And just to get it out of the way, there aren't many bigs that look to fall into our range at 10 that I think that we'd even consider, but we'll just talk about a couple guys who might be there. And 
this one is a big thumbs down for me before I even attempt to say his <laughs> name. I'm not even going to do it. I see people calling him Paku or Poku. So we'll just go with that. He looks like a skinny dragon bender, like a really skinny dragon bender. That's not that's not good. Um, he's going to take a really long time to be able to establish himself in this league because if you're seven feet tall and you have a frame like that, someone's going to break you in half. And looking at video from like his highlight videos, the quality of competition he's playing is is not great. And he, but he he's much taller than everybody in on the court, no matter what. But you can just tell he gets pushed around so easily. And that's that's not going to translate to an NBA career very soon. Yeah, and I just don't think we're in the spot to take these project players. We've tried that so much in the past. And we've got a solid team. We need a guy who we can plug in, who can start playing in a backup role, but right away. Right. Yeah, this is a, a total pass from me, but I have noticed on... Uh, a few NBA, like a, the NBA draft subreddit and a few other places, people are pretty high on this guy, but mm-hmm. this is a guy that's going to take a long time and not something the Suns should be looking at. No, no. Plus, I, I still think that we're better suited to take a shooting guard or small forward, you know, someone who can back up Devin Booker. Again, best player available. Yes, let's do that. But I I kind of think backup shooting guard is our priority. I think so too. I mean, backup point guard still probably a priority. Yeah, that too. I I like what we can do at the four, especially if we're keeping Saric around. But there, there, it just doesn't seem like there's anyone in this range who would be worth taking. Yeah. Well, right. and another guy we talked about too is this, and I'll try not to butcher his name, but Precious Achua from memphis he's a freshman he's young and some people are high on him looking at his numbers he didn't shoot from the line very well he averaged a decent amount of points i believe pushing 16 points a game pretty athletic i just don't know it it doesn't seem like a great fit in our system totally agree i i saw a comparison to montrez harrell and that seems like it's pretty right on the head. I think those guys would do some similar things. So Yeah. Uh, he's, he's a guy I have some faith in, improving and becoming a, a solid, sure. m- maybe a little undersized center. But then again, someone we can't really pair with Aiton. And then in, do we want to draft a backup for Aiton with, with this 10th pick? I don't know. Yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see where guys like Vassell, maybe even Okoro, though I'm not super high on Okoro, but Toppin as well, where those guys get drafted. Maybe we're in a spot where we just don't really like anyone and someone, another team comes to us and says, hey, we really like this guy, we want to trade up. We could be in position to do that. I would not be opposed to that. One bit. Yeah. Not at all. I'd definitely rather trade down than trade up in this draft. Definitely. And then the last guy that I just want to make a quick note of, probably more of a wing, but a guy who I could see maybe really working well as a power forward in our system is Sadiq Bey out of Villanova. 6'8", 
almost 220. Uh, pretty, pretty powerful guy down in the post, down around the rim. I, I like what he brings to the table while keeping some of that wing athleticism. Uh, it's like a, you can almost compare him to Kelly, but mm-hmm. a little bit slower but stronger. And yeah. not, not quite as polished on offense either, obviously, but uh, a great defender and just a, you know, a guy who used to be a tweener, but now is something that's pretty coveted in the NBA. Yeah. And he is a guy, the draft mock draft I'm looking at right now has him going 19. He's maybe a guy that if we like him and want to trade down and feel like we can still get him, that we probably could do that. Right. I always see him mid to late lottery or late, yeah. late lottery, more or less. Yeah. Yeah. Those are those are just a few guys that might work well on the Suns when it's coming to bigs who might be there at 10. But I don't know. Toppin's number one on my list from these guys. Otherwise, it's it might be a pass for me for these yeah, yeah. Well, and these are also just names to throw out there for people who are interested in watching more basketball. Watch some some highlights. There are some college highlights, even though we didn't have a tournament. So, you know, if you're <laughs> tired of watching the playoffs, which I can't imagine, we've had some great games. Oh, yeah. So just something to think about as the draft approaches. But with that, we will move to our non-sports section of the show, which is actually going to have to do with sports. But we do this every year. Football is coming back starting next week, or I guess even this week. The first game is Thursday. Uh, So we're just going to talk about maybe the outlook for our teams, even though I know, at least for me, I don't follow football nearly as closely as I used to, so it's harder for me to talk about it. I still watch a lot of the games, but not like I used to. So what's the outlook looking like for your Dolphins this year? You know, last year, I'd say that the Dolphins put out the least talented roster in the (laughs) NFL, but then overperformed, came together as a team, started winning some games in the end of the year. So that was a blast. And I think our head coach, Brian Flores, is a great coach, and he's going to continue to build on that. We drafted Tua, Tunga Viola, with our first pick. I, I think that was all right. Um He's not quite ready to start yet, it looks like. It looks like we're going to be rolling with Fitzmagic, Ryan Fitzpatrick, for a while. And overall, I think we got more talent on the roster. And as an optimist, I want a 500 season. I don't think anything crazy is going to happen, but uh, maybe one thing to look for if you're a fantasy football guy Preston Williams, wide receiver. I think he's ranked like nearly the 80th best wide receiver in some drafts. I'd snatch him up because I think he's going to have a huge year. That's all I got. Go Fins. Let's go 500, baby. Okay. Uh, So I'm a Broncos fan, and I think we have a touch of a better outlook. It's going to be all dependent on how Drew Locke plays. So last season, there was a little bit of a quarterback carousel. We had drafted Drew Locke. He wasn't quite ready, like you're talking about with Tua, kind of, but less hype for sure. 
we had Joe Flacco, who was just garbage, and our offensive line was pretty garbage for the most part. Uh, we played, I don't even know his first name, Allen. I think it was Kyle Allen, but he might play for the Panthers. I don't even know for a couple games. And then Drew Locke came in and looked pretty good. Not amazing, but good, good enough. And I've heard some mixed reviews of how his camp has gone. Some people say, oh, he looks a lot better. He's going to be ready to go. Other people have said he ha- he's had a shaky camp. Whatever. He's starting. Drew Locke is looking like the future for the Broncos, and we just have to hope that he plays well. Uh, skill position, though, love what the Broncos did with the draft. Jerry Judy, I guess, is looking awesome, and a lot of veteran receivers have been reaching out to him for route running tips, even though he hasn't even played an actual NFL game. He's just looked so good in camp. Big, strong, fast receiver. Really nice on the opposite side of Cortland Sutton, who had an awesome year last year. Talk about fantasy. Those two could put up some numbers. It's pretty amazing how quickly the NFL can change. Because just a couple years ago, it was Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders who were the Broncos' big receivers. And just like that, neither of them are there. And they've been replaced with Sutton and Judy, who people are really hyped about. They also have Melvin Gordon. He left the Chargers, signed with the Broncos. I'm really excited about that. Uh, He seems like a good guy to have on the team. Uh, You know, it's tough to be in the same division as the Chiefs because they're really good. The Raiders and the Chargers look like they're going to be pretty terrible. But just because of the Chiefs, I think the Broncos' best bet is to try to get a wild card spot in the playoffs. And if they did that, I'd be really happy. And actually, I'm a bit of a Broncos fan this year because my auto-drafted fantasy football team has uh, Melvin Gordon, Sutton, and the Broncos' defense all starting. So The Broncos' defense is going to be good. They're all right. Awesome. Bradley Chubb so. coming back from injury. Von Miller, 100%. The other guy I forgot to mention is Noah Fant, the tight end from Iowa, who had a great season last year. Not like George Kittle levels, but in the similar vein, that system in Iowa is suited really well for tight ends. So I'm excited about Fant. But yeah, that defense is going to be awesome. I think I overlook them sometimes because they're just so good all the time. They're going to be awesome. All right. Well, listen to Mitch say that he doesn't have much to say about the Broncos. but <laughs> just, Sometimes just I him... forget. I forget how much I know. Well, and this is going on year 14 since I've missed a Broncos game. Thanksgiving 2006 was the last time I missed one. So I guess I do know more than I give myself credit for sometimes. <laughs> That's some dedication, Mitch. Well done. Thank you. All right. Thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, We broke down the entire roster, how they played in the bubble. We've been touching on some draft lottery. And next week, we'll probably just jump into the playoffs a bit, talk about how the series have been going. We've seen some great ball. We've also seen some great ref ball, which (laughs) maybe we won't talk about that. That's but anyways, thank you guys for tuning in. Check us out on social media at Sunny and PHX Pod on Twitter and Instagram, and we'll see you next week. Go Sunny. Give me freedom, give me fire, give me reason, take me higher. See the champions, take the field now. Unify us, make us feel proud. In the streets, our heads are lifting as we lose our in.
nation, it surrounds us. Every nation, all around us. Like a way. 